This is the Demand Excellence Podcast with Jonathan Guess, head football coach of Eagles Landing Christian Academy on the south side of Atlanta. Coach Guess is the author of the book, Demand Excellence, on and off the field. The goal of the Demand Excellence Podcast is to encourage, equip, and entertain Christian leaders and coaches across the world. All right, everybody, I am here with owner-operator of a Chick-fil-A, Nick Westbrook. And, you know, last year I interviewed Nick, and it was my favorite interview. And uh, me and Nick were talking, or Nick and I were talking the other day, and I was like, man, I got to have him back on a podcast. So, um, and uh, I might call you Coach Westbrook on accident, but I know that you'll like that. But for the listener. Perfect. Perfect. I know you don't like to brag about yourself, but I need you to just don't brag about yourself, but just identify your accomplishments. Cause I learned that you're going to the Super Bowl because your your Chick-fil-A won a national award. So talk about your accomplishments this past year, and then people will understand why I like to talk to you about leadership. Sure. Awesome. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah, we uh the team did some incredible things in 2019. We won the Symbol of Success Award from Chick-fil-A, which they've been giving out for um, for a ton of years. And it's uh, to the restaurants that increase their sales um, the most in the chain, which is over over 18%, you get the award. We increased our sales 28.5% in 2019. And so we won that award. They give you a car. And they uh, this year, they're sending all of the operators franchisees and their spouses to the Super Bowl, um, which is an incredible honor. Um, it, it's, it's awesome. Like we're so pumped about that. We also, um, you know, in 2019, we were in the, you know, we were, you know, leading the chain in every metric, uh, that Chick-fil-A, that Chick-fil-A tracks, you know, from guest overall satisfaction, just, uh, fast service, the taste of our food, uh, cleanliness of our restaurant, how attentive and courteous our, employees are to our guests our food safety score as related to the health department um increase in profit um increase in sales i mean it was a, it was an incredible incredible year as, as as far as results go yeah so it was awesome the team the team crushed it so it was it would be the equivalent of winning a championship <laughs> absolutely yeah no i mean it's also a national championship really but um Talk about the funniest thing yeah. or the coolest thing. It was funny and cool at the same time, and it just shows your brain as a coach and, uh, and, as, a, and as a leader. Um, talk about like – you were telling me how you relate everything to football in the store, and even the chicken is the football. Talk, tell the listener about that because that was, that, was that was very just awesome. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. It's a lot of fun. I mean, I hire a lot of athletes and former athletes. I look for athletes in the, um, you know, in my interview process uh, because I know that that's how I relate to everything. The only thing I ever really knew was football. I mean, before I knew business, I knew football, and I relate everything back to that. But yeah, so I tell like we're here to win, and it's just like football. They're, they like, they go into the game to win, but to win you got to score touchdowns. And so this is how we define what a touchdown is. A touchdown is getting this chicken into the guest hands that's a touchdown and to do it within this amount of time right three minutes and 30 seconds for us from the time they start the order to the time they get the bag it should be three minutes and 30 seconds for us so 
Um, so we just say, Hey, the chicken is a football. We got to score. Right. And so my, it starts at the back of the kitchen where the breader is our offensive line. He is protecting everybody. If he does not, if he doesn't do his job well, we all fail. Right. And so he is the most important person. We make sure that he's protected. We make sure he doesn't have several tasks to do. He's got one job and that is to, to get the chicken to what we call our, you know, it's a quarterback which is our uh, the person that cooks the chicken, turns around, he's dropping the right species of chicken, whether it's nuggets or strips or chicken breast or spicy, whatever it is. He is, he is determining once that chicken is cooked, where it goes. And he's getting it to our skilled guys. And so our skilled guys are up on the boards and they are, you know, they got to be fast. They got to be active. They got to be precise. They got to multitask. They got to be. They got to be on their feet, moving uh, to be able to prepare that sandwich the way that the guest wants it. Once, uh, once that quarterback gets them the chicken that's cooked, right? And so they they make the right moves, and then they shoot that thing through the shoots, and then um, and then uh, and then our specialty guys uh, that finish the drill, the specialty guys, which are everybody in the front counter, they are. They're bagging that thing up just the right way and shoot it out to the guest. And so, and once that thing gets out there in three minutes and 30 seconds, we score. And our, our goal is to score, 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 score. And if we score a ton, we win. And so, well, there so you go. That's what it. Got, what got us on the topic of uh, leadership was you, you were sitting there telling me that. And I was like, man, this is amazing because what a leader does is a leader has the ability to make everything make sense. So as a football coach, I need my quarterback to understand this is why you don't throw an interception. This is why you do what I tell you. This is as a football team. This is why we want to run the ball and throw, you know, they need to understand the the grand theme of everything so that they can do their job efficiently and effectively and understand how it affects the entire team. So then you and I started talking about leadership. And then that's when you got into um, talking about, you know, basically a leader is a shepherd. And so I'm, I'm going to leave it right there for you and um, ask you questions as you talk, but talk to us a little, you know, about that. Like, sure. what do you mean a leader is a shepherd? Yeah. Well, I've been really inspired in the last several months about this this context of leadership because leader, you know, a lot of times, you know, you have to look at it from the perspective of the follower, right? So leader can mean two different things to me and you who are leaders than it does to the people that are following us. You know, a lot of times the followers, like the if you say the word leader to them, that means the person that's in charge. I just have to do what they say. Right. Well, you and I know that that there's a lot, a whole lot more than that. Just what you just described. Like there's so much that goes on the leader as far as vision and knowing each player and how to coach them and the, the overall scheme of things and where we're trying to take them. And so, you know, I, I get my so much of my inspiration from the Bible. And what I've really what I've realized is that through the through reading the Bible and then some of the sort of literature that I read, man, what, what God calls leaders is shepherds. And we, we, we reserve that term a lot for pastors. But man, what I'm realizing is from being working at a Christian school, being a, being a football coach, going into business, now owning my own restaurant, is that that term shepherd is not just, it's not just allocated just for pastors. 
You know, I mean, even like Ephesians 4.11 says he gave and he gave them the apostle. He gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, um, for building up the body of Christ. I mean, that just fires me up like I'm in there. Like I'm not necessarily in ministry, but man, I am a shepherd and I'm a shepherd of the flock that has been entrusted to me. Right. And what I'm to do with them. And if I'm a believer and I know we probably have several believers, you know, listen to this podcast, like that's, that's us. Like we are shepherding a flock that, that has been entrusted to us. And I just think there's some specific things when you get that word picture. I learned from Tim Elmore, um, who wrote a book called Habitudes that just images help form leadership. That's like why I, I talk about the football, the chicken is a football. Like this image of a shepherd leader, I mean, that just puts a different perspective on what my job is as a leader. Like I'm taking my flock somewhere, but it's more about that flock than it is even where we're going. And where we're going is actually for them. It's for it's for the people that that I've been entrusted um, to care for. I mean, is that is that tracking? That makes sense. No, no, it's tracking. You know. Um, one thing you and I talked about too was, you know, what's the example for, for us as Christians, but who was the ultimate leader? Well, who was God on this earth? And that was Jesus. And he's referred to as the good shepherd. Right. And then. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's what we're, we're, you know, we're called. Yeah. Well, I was going, you know, the other note was, you know, David, King David, I love to read about King David in the Bible because if you're a competitor, mm. or any coach that's a Christian, I don't know how we're not drawn to David and his mighty men, but like mm. you, know, you read the story yeah. that King Saul killed his thousand and David killed his tens, tens of thousands. So here's this ultimate competitor. But when God called he, him to lead, he was called to shepherd over Israel. Yes. Yes, exactly right. Ezekiel 34, 23 said, I shall set up for over them one Shepherd, that's the word it used, my servant David, and he shall feed them and be their shepherd. I mean, that's, and that just lays it out right there. You know, and, and David's first job, right? David's first job was to be a shepherd. God taught him how to be, how to, how to shepherd a flock and, 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 and really take care of this that's been entrusted to him and, and taught him that there in that role. And then one day he would shepherd all of Israel, God's chosen people. Yeah, it's powerful. You know, it's one thing that's interesting, just thinking about leadership and shepherding, but God, God brought David to that. So like he, he called David and he said, Hey, you're going to be the King of Israel one day. But, but then he basically sent David into exile and David had to learn to, to lead yep. this group of crazy people and lead them well. Mm. And then, and then, and so once God, like, and this was over a period of probably 20 years, like David, he didn't just say, David, you're going to go be a leader. And if you think about you as an owner operator right now, I mean, like you, you've been through a lot of things in your life where God has taken you through peaks and valleys and you've learned and you've learned and you learned, and now he's put you in this position. Yeah. That's what, that's what he did to David. So he didn't just call him, hey, go be a shepherd. He taught him how to be a shepherd. 
Mm, mm, man, absolutely. Absolutely. And David made some mistakes along the way, right? I mean, we all know, I mean, it's pretty public, the mistakes that David made. Um, some of us, you know, our mistakes are public too. And David didn't, sh- you know, he shied away from at first, but once it got brought to his attention and he responded in humility and, um, and, and man, I, and, and it just, it has shaped the way that he, he ruled and led, you know, um, you know, after that. And, and I think the same thing we're called to do, you know, we're not called to be, you know, perfect, you know, we're not going to be, we're not going to be perfect, right. But we're going to take this, what God is taking us through and, and we're going to use that to, you know, to the better to coach, right. Or lead or shepherd, um, you know, this flock that God has entrusted to us for you, it's a team of teenage boys, right. And, and really raising them up into, and, and, and the manhood and what, and teaching them what, what it means to, you know, to be disciplined, to commit, to be loyal, to work hard, to sacrifice for the guy next to you, that they'll learn to do that later on in life when it, when it's, you know, it's counting now for sure, but it's going to really count when they have a a wife, when they have a son or a daughter or they're in a role as a business leader and you got other people counting on them. It's going to really count then. Yes, it will. All right. So four things that you came up with about shepherd. This is what shepherds do. And I'm going to mention the four and then we'll talk about each one individually. But number one, they know their flock. Number two, they lead their flock. Number three, they provide for for their flock. And then number four, um, uh, you know, they, they are weak, but they are defined by their courage. And, but I think four was they lead by servant leader. So let's talk about number one. Number one, and this is, you know, in the coaching world, everybody says this, but not many coaches follow through with it. But we all know that a kid does not care how much I know until he knows how much I care. And he only knows how much I care if I am with him and spending time with him and encouraging him. So number one, before you talk about leadership, a shepherd leads, you say a shepherd knows their flock. Talk about that one a little bit. Oh yes, goodness. I mean, there, I mean, it just you can't go anywhere with in in leadership or even this idea of shepherding leadership without that. Number one, you have to know your flock. You no, know? and I think Jesus, man, he he. We talk about the good shepherd. He models that. He said, you know, the the good shepherd will leave the ninety nine and go chase the one, right? And because he knows that the one left and is gone. He knows his flock. Um, you know, and I think it's just as important what you said as a coach, man, you have to know that player. You have to know a lot of things about that player, not only what they can do and can't do so that you can coach them, but you got to know what's going on at home. You got to know their background. You got to know what they're coming into the, coming into practice with. You got to know what learning challenges that might have. You know, it's very similar for me in business. I mean, I got to know my team. I mean, I can't tell you how much it means to my team members. Some of the, the, the so, some of the greatest comments I've ever received from my team members is just is when they tell me things, and I gotta I gotta write things down. I don't have a great memory, but you know, I have committed to every single day. I write a thank you note to one team member, just one, 
you know, and I've got, I got almost 90. And so, but every day, part of my morning routine is I write them a thank you note. And I, and and some of that, like I recall some of the things that we'll talk about and they know that I know them. And man, it's just when people are known, man, they are just they're there. And it's not about just them going hard for you, but it's about them following you because you've been, they've been entrusted to your care. And so to get them to follow, any leader by definition has followers. And if you don't turn around, you don't have followers, then, then you're just going on a walk. You're not leading anybody. You're not shepherding, right? You're just going on a walk. You, you, know, you have to know the people that, that you've been entrusted to care. So it's just so important to know, to know those folks, yeah. So number two, so once you know them, you can start to lead them. Talk, and I think you probably did talk about that a little bit, but talk about that a little bit in more detail, how, you lead, how a shepherd leads their flock. Yeah, so it's not, so this is important. So it's not just that they're in charge, of course, but we're talking about shepherd and leadership, but you have to lead them. You know, one, one thing about a shepherd um, is that they always lead from the front. Right. They're never taking that flock somewhere where they haven't already gone in their mind, in their research, in their vision. And, um, you know, they are taking them somewhere. They're ahead of them. Right. And so many images, you know, my favorite, uh, you know, I like to read presidential biographies, but George Washington is one of those men. I think George Washington was a shepherd leader. Right. I mean, he, you can always talk, you know, see him, images of him leading from the front, that most famous image of Washington on the boat going over the Hudson is, it's from the front of the boat, right? I mean, and so, man, this idea of leading them and it, and it is servant leadership, but like so much of what we talk about, like I said, like, like followers think of leaders just as being in charge. But if we think of, you know, servant leadership gets a lot of talk and for, for the right reason, because I think Jesus was a servant leader, but it doesn't mean you're a subservient leader. It just means you're sacrificial. And the man, I'm, I'm going to serve this. I'm going to serve this flock that I'm, that, that I've been entrusted to in a way that takes them somewhere. Right. It doesn't necessarily mean soft, Right. It doesn't mean that you're that you're a soft leader. Sometimes that and that's, I'm serving them by giving them the, the uh, some of the harsh reality that they need to hear. I mean, you know that as a coach. Right. Like you got to be super clear with your players about where they are and how they need to improve. It can't just be pats on the back all the time. I mean, that's I mean, that, but, uh, you know, that that's the essence of coaching. But man, yeah, you obviously have to lead them. But I mean, the type of leadership that you are, that you're given, it's not just, you know, dick, uh, autocratic, you know, um, man, do what I say because I said it, you know, your flock will scatter, right? Um, they, they got to know that you are there for them. Which leads you into number three, which is you got to provide for your flock. What do you mean by provide? Yeah, man, I think. Yeah, so, um, man, this one is it's the one that gets, um, I think, left out the most, right, when we think about it. And that's the one that, that I think shepherding leadership, you know, as, as I'm just still just studying and just diving into it, this is the one that we leave out and that uh, just in regular, our, our regular idea of leadership in that, um, but this image of shepherding leadership provides for us. And so 
a, a, a shepherd has to provide for his flock in the way that you think about um, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, right? He takes me into green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. I mean, that image is the shepherd providing a place for his flock to flourish, right? So our role as leaders, the shepherd leaders, we have to provide, I have to provide an organization where my flock can flourish. I got to have the, I got to do the work of providing an organizational structure, clarity, clarifying their role, clarifying what they have to do, what's expected of them, right? I've got to provide them with the tools needed to grow. Maybe if you're coaching, you're in, you're a head coach or a coordinator. I mean, you have to provide, you can't just expect them to get it, right? You got to be creative. You got to be innovative. You got to change. You got to go to coaching clinics. You got to, you got to be able to provide for them what they need to be successful, right? We can't just expect them to get it. It's our role to provide that for them and, 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 and be innovative and change it if they're willing to get it. Is that track? Yeah, no, it's, it's, I'm taking notes, man. Like I feel, um, I feel like guilty, like, man, all this, I need to do a better job. Um, finally, number four, uh, they are servant. Oh, leaders. you're killing it. So talk about being a servant leader. Yeah. Yeah. They're servant leaders. They're servant. Well, they're servant leaders that protect their flocks. So really that last one, they protect their flock okay. as servant leaders. Right. So this is the sacrificial part that they like, they have to protect their flock. How many of your guys have you lost? I mean, and you and, and coach guess, I mean, I'm talking, I mean, I feel like, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm awed by what you have done, you know, five championships in a row. Like, I mean, what you've done at school is incredible and you get so many guys to come out and give a hundred percent for you and the team. But I know that you can probably right now name off uh, a, a dozen guys that have, that have that you've lost out of your flock. That's just like, man, something got them, you know, something took them away, you know, um, whether it was, you know, something else took their interest, you know, something, you know, whether it be girls or, um, sometimes even unfortunately drugs or alcohol or, um, these things that can snag our flock for me, I've lost, I've lost so many team members, man, that just had so much great potential, right? And so even in serving them, sometimes serving them is us being sacrificial to have those conversations that have to happen that we know that will protect them, help setting them up with maybe other mentors on the group that give them belonging, that won't let them out of the flock because we know this is what is best for them. Because it's about them. It's not about us. Right? It's not about us. It's about taking them to the destination where they will thrive the most, right? That's, I mean, that's the journey of the shepherd leader is that once we get them here, like it's for them, it's not for us. The joy we get is seeing the flock thrive, right? The joy you get and it's championship, the last five, you know, is seeing this group of guys now that came in 
14 years old, couldn't walk and chew gum and have been through everything they've been through together now as seniors. And they're standing on that stage at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And man, like that destination, like, man, that's for those guys. And man, what and how amazing that is for them to be able to experience that. So talk, let's talk about that for the last little bit. We can talk about that because you said the joy we get is seeing the flock thrive. Now, let, let's talk. This is all positive talk that we've talked, shepherding, and all this is, is great, and it's as if everything's yeah. moving towards the mountaintop and we're climbing to the peak and we're almost there. But in reality, there's a lot of things that attack our joy. Now, our joy should be seeing the flock thrive. How do you mitigate the attacking of your flesh and of the enemy because the what's the enemy do he attacks our joy how do you mitigate mm. what are some things mm. that you do to protect your joy i know for me it's a struggle i'm doing better than i was last year but it's a struggle to to protect that joy yeah oh man that's a struggle for me too and thank you so much for bringing that up because that is a reality and that is something that we as leaders have to protect all the time because um you know i I think that we um i know me you know what 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 attacks my joy the most is comparison um and so if you want to kill anything compare it to something else yeah right and that's that's really what I'm what what I have learned is man when I start comparing myself to another Chick-fil-A operator that may be 20 years down the road from me you know his organization may be built up better his team you know his leaders you know I, I may look at them and say man why don't I have leaders like that or why don't you know have this or that I start comparing myself um, to my peers right and that being the the source of where i feel like i because i you know i want to achieve like i want to win and so it makes me feel like what, what even though we are winning in so many ways that man i can look at somebody else and i can compare myself to anybody and see my and see something wrong with myself right and so uh, i think we have to really protect ourselves from the comparison of our peers in a way that steals our joy. Some comparison is good. It shows us where we do have room for improvement. But, you know, I made a commitment last year. You know, we've got a, com- uh, a comparison report at Chick-fil-A that, that we can compare ourselves to others. And I just, I had to make a commitment that I didn't look at that report all last year. I had, I'd, I, you know, where we stood against all the other stores in our region, market, and, and, and different things. And I just had to make a commitment that, and I'm just not going to look at it. I mean, it's a, I've heard the difference between success and excellence is success is when you compare yourself to others and what they've done. Excellence is when you compare yourself to yourself and what you know that you're capable of and what you know that you've been called to do. Um, and so, uh, so I, you know, I try to focus on that. I, man, I struggle with it also. And I got, that's why I have people in my life that help bring me back to that. Another, another, you know, great discipline. I think that we have to have is community of other leaders that, that, that know everything about us that we can share these things with that kind of call me back, call me back to the training room and say, Hey, that's not what you got in this for, you know? 
No, man, this is awesome. I'm sitting here, continue to take notes, and I, I appreciate you talking with me. Um, I got to go because speaking about, uh, what were we talking about? Bottom line, building up the flock, leading the flock, providing. I got to go make them work out. They're about to come in here. So, um, but, you know, I want to pray. <laughs> <laughs> you care if I pray? I know. I mean, Thank I know. you, bro. All right, Please. That's awesome. Yeah, go for it. Lord, we come before you today. Just want to praise and thank you for loving us, Lord. First and foremost, we praise and thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins. Uh, Lord, I praise and thank you for uh, Nick Westbrook and all that you have done in his life. I know for me, um, you know, just to watch how you have grown him and sanctified him. It is so encouraging to me, and it really helps me to keep on moving forward and uh, Lord, I just praise and thank you for his success and all that you're doing in his life, Lord. And, and the most, the coolest thing, Lord, is he's doing it and to glorify you. And I pray that you keep um, his motives and, and everything pure and he continue to grow in Jesus Christ. Bless his family, bless his store, bless his ministry to the community and to the people that work for him, Lord. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, man. Amen. All right. My pleasure. Go get it, brother. All right, man. Appreciate you.